the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Paul was an apostle. Paul had seen the risen Jesus. Paul was willing to preach the gospel. He was a road warrior. He traveled. And Paul was willing to suffer for the gospel. And you know what? Part of suffering and part of obedience, even enduring not only circumstances but at times persecution, that's something Christians have had to do throughout the centuries. And as we study the book of Acts, especially the latter chapters of the book of Acts, we see that sometimes ministry, discipleship, persecution, and suffering all go hand in hand. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we invite you to get a copy of God's Word. If you're at a place where you can join us and follow along, we are in the book of Acts. Maybe you're driving or you can't get a Bible out, but just listen along and we'll continue our study of Acts, and then in a few minutes we'll open up the phones and go to Bible questions. But Bert, uh, you know what? As you and I have studied the book of Acts, I see the the faithfulness of the early church. I see a lot of the obstacles that they had to navigate, but I see the faithfulness of God that, remember in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus had said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And indeed, now two millennia later, 2,000 years later, the church is throughout the world, the gospel is still being preached. And in spite of the obstacles that Satan has thrown and worldly fallen men have sometimes raised, God and his plan and purpose goes forth, and it will never be stopped. Isn't that encouraging? It is encouraging. It's accomplishing what God desires it to do. And to put a little perspective on it, what we're looking at today is Acts 22. It's been approximately 30 years since Acts chapter 1, Alex, close to 30 years that this has happened and Paul's been traveling uh, close to 15 or something, and there's about 10 more years left before we get the last book, except for Revelation, uh, you know, of the letters. Revelation was written, written a few years later than 2 Timothy, but it's about 10 years before Paul writes 2 Timothy, and uh, then he'll be released, and we don't know exactly what all takes place after that. Uh, Possibly, you know, we don't know how many years, but Alex, that shows you how great the gospel spread in these 30 years. They truly had turned the world upside down, or like you and I would say it, right side up. And uh, mm-hmm. the, Paul is being used in a significant way. And now in this group of chapters from 21, you know, all the way till he gets ready to go to Rome, he shares his testimony again and again, and he does it in a significant way. So I want to put this alert out, out to everyone who's listening. If yes. you want to learn how to share your testimony Listen to what Paul does in chapters 22 and 23 and see what it goes. It it gives his past, it gives his present, what God has done for his life, and gives him hope for the future and invites others to come in. Alex, Paul, far as a no, had not gone to E.E., 
Uh, he he had not gone and and discovered Bill Bright's four spiritual laws. I'm I'm being facetious, you who are listening. I'm just saying the Apostle Paul early on had developed a way to share his testimony that was powerful, quick, and intriguing and inviting, Alex. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I've noticed, and, and I really love it, how Peter would really delineate the history of Israel and everything that led up to Jesus. Paul, over and over, would share his testimony, and later on in 23, we're going to see kind of where he alludes to that again. But but you're right, it's been said that your testimony is my life before I met Christ, how I met Christ, my life since I met Christ, and P.S., you can meet Christ. And so that is something everybody, their salvation testimony. And hey, let me just say this before we get into Acts chapter 22. Uh, if you say, well, I'm not sure if I have a testimony. Well, that's the story of how you accepted the Lord and was saved. And so if you if you don't know that you've ever done that, do that today. Call on Jesus and be saved. We often say this, he's as close by as a prayer, which is true. But that that experience, however we verbalize it, of how we came into a personal relationship with Jesus, that's something everybody needs to be able to say they did. Yes, everybody needs to be saved, everybody can be saved, and everybody is saved the same way through Christ Jesus. Now, the road may be different in how you got there to that point, but listen, you cannot come to God any other way than Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. Now, Alex, you're the English major. Isn't the a definite article? That means Absolutely. singular only. So three Absolutely. times he uses the way, the truth, the life, and then no one can come except through Christ. Uh, listen. This is the most inclusive, exclusive thing you've ever heard in your life. Isn't that something? Those two words that sounds like they're different, but Christ is the only way you're saved is exclusively through Christ, but he invites all to come to him. And you can do that. If you need more help than what you've heard Alex and myself do and you need to talk to someone, the number that you can call, there are partners in ministry, 888-NEED-HIM. Triple eight, need him. Give them a call, and you can talk to an individual, and they'll help you to answer your questions, help you to come to that understanding. And like Alex said, if if you have doubts and those doubts don't go away, Alex, man, I'd call. I wouldn't wait exactly. around. I, there's no need of waiting around and wondering, is there? No, there isn't. Uh, make sure, listen, uh, you might miss anything else, but don't miss salvation. The Lord loves you. Jesus Christ gave his life for you, and if you ask Jesus to save you, to, to forgive your sins, and make you a Christian, uh, you, you've got to believe that he is the Son of God, and when he went to that cross, he did it for the world, yes, but he did it for you. Uh, believe that personally God loves you, because he really, really, really does. <laughs> Hallelujah. And yeah, um, believe that the Lord loves you, and he wants to be a part of your life. And I'm, I'm going to say this. We're going to read from Acts 22. Sometimes, Bert, I've had people say to me, they'll say, well, at my age, I just can't change. Look, you don't have to change yourself. The Lord will change you. And, friend, you, you might be, you know, 80, 90, 100 years old, but if you 
are hearing these words and you you realize that you really do need the Lord in your life and you want to know that you're saved, listen, it doesn't matter how long you've neglected or ignored God. And and people say, well, I'm. it's been so many years I couldn't become a Christian. Now, don't you believe it? You could become a Christian. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Alex, the oldest person that I know that I have baptized after they were saved and me talking with them, praying with them, was an 86-year-old lady. And mm. God changed her life. I, I've done several 70-year-olds, and uh, but 86-year-old. But I've heard those up in their 90s. I want to just share with you, it's not, it's not too late. You can come to Christ. You don't need to delay. Today's the day of salvation. We're going to hear in a, this week, we're going to get to a man called Felix, and he said, I'm going to wait for a more convenient season. Can I tell you that convenient season is today? Today's the salvation. Amen. So, Amen. So guess what Paul did here in chapter 22? He asked to speak to the crowd again after it got him into trouble the first time. <laughs> he says, bring them on again. And in, mm. listen to this in 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. Now, I'm going to stop there. I, I saw that word defense, and I said, I wonder what the Greek word was. And sure enough, Alex, it's one of your favorite words apologetic uh, yes <laughs> and that, that's it, true it, it is and it's a defense so i want to say this and i want you to take it away this defense is defense of the gospel it's not necessarily a defense of of creation although you need to do that it's not necessarily a, a defense of the bible being the word of god although we need to learn to do this this is just the defense of what God's done and what God is doing. And they listened to him all the way uh, through, through verse 21. But when he said he was beginning, God had called him to the Gentiles, those folks just turned like on a dime. They were intriguing. When he said he was a Jew, he was raised in Jerusalem. He was Boy, a they Pharisee. Listened. They listened. But when he mentioned Gentiles, have you noticed the two things that really turns that crowd off? The Gentiles and resurrection—that's that's true in the in the Jewish culture, in the Greek culture. When he was out there, it was the resurrection. When he yeah, would come to the it, resurrection, exactly. isn't that something? How different groups respond negatively to the gospel. Well, you know, the Greeks that prided themselves on their intellect, uh, and you know, many then, like a lot of people now, they want to understand everything in naturalistic terms. When you talk about a miracle of God, the resurrection is a miracle. Some people were almost too smart to lower themselves to believing in a miracle. By the way, let me say, I believe in miracles. A miracle is an act of God. And look, if you, Frank Turek says this, and it's brilliant. If you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe any miracle in the Bible. Because if God can create the universe, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, well, you can believe Moses parted the Red Sea by the power of God. So I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the flood of Noah. I believe in Jonah and the great fish. And I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, the miracles of God. So the Greeks had an intellectual objection, but the Jews, to one degree or another, had really an ethnic objection. They were the people of God. Of course they were. God called Abraham, and through the Jewish people would send the Savior. But they balked. Maybe it was national 
cultural pride, they balked some of them at the idea that Gentiles could be saved and could enter a relationship with God. But let me let me say whether it's intellectual, emotional, or even just pride. Uh, maybe Bert, somebody listening, even says, um, "Well, you know, I'm not such a bad person. This thing about me being a lost sinner, you know, I just a just a minute here. I'm a pretty good guy. Look, without Jesus Christ and His righteousness, we have no hope. And so, uh, to those people then, to our listeners now." Don't let some bias or some obstacle, something in your heart or mind, don't don't let that be a wedge between you and heaven and eternity. Turn to the Savior. And again, now's the time, not delaying. Do it now. And notice this. When they heard him speak in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Right. Before we just got a minute left, but before we go any further, I want the people who are listening that's taking this serious study, notice how many things Paul uses in order to share the gospel. He uses his multiplicity of language. He could speak their language. He knew their law. Later on, he'll use his Roman citizenship in order to to find some security So uh, for his protection and to share the gospel. So he uses what is available to him in order to speak truth. I believe God wants us to do that today. Speak the truth in love. Notice how Paul does this. He is not angry. He is not pounding. He is really trying to connect with them so he can share the gospel with them. We need to do that today. Hey, you're listening to Exploring the Word here on the American Family Radio Network. And Alex and Bert, we're with you. We're going to be back right after this break as we continue in Acts chapter 22. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for J. Stephen Binkley, Principal Deputy Director in the Office of Science. He determines the financial and personal resources needed to achieve and support mission objectives. Proverbs 14.15 reminds us of the importance of science. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide J. Stephen Binkley as the Senior Career Science Official at the Department of Energy. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Our National Leadership Prayer Journal guides you in daily prayer for our country's leaders and provides historical insights on our nation and scripture. Available now at pausetopray.org. The old saying goes, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. That's why Dr. Tony Evans wants us to take a closer look at a trade-off too many people are making. He'll tell us about it today as we spend two minutes with Tony. If someone, and you knew they had the ability to do it, came to you and says, I'm going to give you $10 million and all you have to do is one thing for it. And you knew they had the ability to do it. You knew they meant what they said. You start getting all excited. The only condition for the $10 million is at the end of 12 months, you must commit suicide. All of a sudden, the $10 million, if you got sense, would lose its appeal. And the reason that the $10 million would lose its appeal 
is compared to the cost you would have to give for it, it wouldn't be worth it. It's not worth it to lose Jesus Christ just to accumulate what the world has to offer. It's not worth it. Please don't misunderstand me. It's okay to be blessed. It's okay if God prospers you. I don't agree with prosperity theology, but I do believe God prospers us. That's nothing wrong with that. But what he's saying is don't use that as an excuse to delay me being first. Don't let the physical world cause you to delay the spiritual world because you're going to run into some things in life that money can't fix, job can't fix, friends can't fix, circumstances can't fix, and you're going to need God. So you better have been following him. Learn more about getting your values in order by putting first things first, starting with the Lord. Check out Tony's CD series, Restoring God to His Rightful Place, available online at TonyEvans.org. And then be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I want to rest in his arms. Hey, that scripture that you just heard, Alex, was read yes. by a familiar voice for those that call in on AFR. That was the one and only Marty Sparks. He's Oh, uh, boy. Yes, he did that. I didn't know he had such a voice for radio. I knew he had a face for radio, but I did. Now, <laughs> those are, you're not in the studio. Uh, Devin and Marty, we're, we're right here together. Alex is far off. And Marty, he, he and I both, we favor, so I, I guess that's the reason he did. He has the face for radio. But that how you like that? We uh, This is new. We've been doing it about a month now, I think, Devin, if it's not, if, maybe more. But we have have different people who work here at AFA and AFR, and they get them to read some of their favorite scriptures, and then they play it right, you know, usually it's about a 30 to 20 to 30 second spot of reading the scriptures right here. I love that, man. That is beautiful. It really is. And folks, we welcome you back to Exploring the Word. We're in Acts chapter 22. Hey, in just a minute, we're going to take uh, Bible questions. I want to give that number. It's 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. If you have a Bible question, uh, when we open the phones in a few minutes, we'd love to hear from you. And maybe if you're a first-time first caller today, maybe you've never called in before, today's your day. Call us, and we'll do our best to give you a, an answer. Um, famously, Bert, uh, in Acts chapter 22, Paul gives his resume a little bit. I mean, he's not just a troublemaker, and he's not somebody who's been duped or anything like that. He speaks in Hebrew, and they listen. Because do, do you get the impression they're a little bit surprised? But uh, verse 3, I'm verily a man who is a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as you all are this day. Do you know, in a way, that's a bit of a compliment. Paul said, look, I get it. You care about God and truth. So 
Bert, isn't that a helpful way when you're having to teach somebody or correct somebody to try to say something positive? Uh, so give a compliment yeah. so that you can also, in a minute, give a corrective. And I see Paul's doing that. Paul did that in his letters. I mean, the two yes. most severe letters that he wrote was to the Corinthian church. And uh, he started out with, uh, you know, some, your saints and telling them good. But again, let me say this. See, not only does that, there's also this sense of identity. Uh, I, I know that when I'm listening to someone to preach, this is me, may not be everybody, but I don't think I'm uncommon in this. Uh, I'm listening to someone preach, and, and I'm enjoying them. But when I find out there's a commonality or an identity that I can relate to, uh, it brings me further in to what they're saying, Alex. And here he's talking to the Jewish crowd. I don't think he, we didn't find him doing that in, in Athens. We didn't find him doing this in Corinth. But here in Jerusalem, I'm a Jew. I'm a Pharisee. I, I brought up in this city. Uh, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And, and so this is the guy. So in your testimony and Sunday school, preaching, especially a preacher like you that goes somewhere or me that, you know, goes somewhere they may not know me, uh, a lot of times there wants to be that identity. And it helps people come into uh, relating to you. And many times relating will bring you into relationship. And that's what you want to do. You want them to listen to you, but you want them to be cognizant of what you're saying so you can bring them to Christ. So Paul does that. He relates to them. He brags on them. I think we can learn a lot from him in sharing our testimony and even teaching and preaching, Alex. Well, exactly, exactly. He uh, admits to them he was zealous toward God, persecuted the church. And notice in verse 4 they say, this way. Uh, they called the church the way quite a bit. And he said he persecuted the church, even women and children. Uh, he's going to tell about meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he, you're going to see in verses 7, 8, and 10, he recounts the words, the words of Christ to him, which we've read you know, quite a number of times in the course of this. But here's the thing from Acts 9. I don't think he ever forgot these as long as he lived. You know, yeah. um, th these are famous words. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I'm Jesus. Because, you know, Saul of Tarsus said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus who you are persecuting. Now, he was persecuting the church, but he was in doing that persecuting Jesus. I know every syllable of these words from Christ that he first heard on the road to Damascus he remembered those till his dying day. W would you agree? I agree. Guess how long it had been? At least 23 years. Exactly. That yes. had it been at least 23 years that that experience had happened. And it's like my friend Bill Stafford, who's gone on to build the Lord, said he hadn't gotten over it yet. <laughs> it Amen. was still affecting right. his life. If you've gotten over what Christ has done in your life, uh, there needs to be some more things God needs to do in your life. Paul here, I mean, in my Bible, it's a red, they're in red letters, Alex, uh, showing what Christ has done. And uh, notice what it says in verse 11. And since I could not see for the glory of the light, that light being led by hand, I came to Damascus. But I want to talk about that. 
I could not see for the glory. Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, mm-hmm. James, and John there? Jesus was there, and all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses appear, and Peter comes up with a bright idea. Let's build three tabernacles, you know, one for each person. And then as quick as he said that, what happened? The glory of Christ came out, and no longer did they see Moses and Elijah. They only saw Christ. That's the glory of God, Alex. And here, that glory that he appeared, seeing the resurrected Lord, changed his life forever. Uh, There's good reason he didn't get over it, brother. Well, amen. He talks about he was, you know, blinded, and he had to be led by the hand. He says, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all. Now, you know the story of how he went to the house of Ananias. The word devout there is a word, I love this word, you don't hear this word too much, but it's really the word circumspect. Yes. And let me just say this, Bert, Uh, we're living at a time where a lot of people don't um, you don't hear the word holiness. You don't hear the word sanctification. Um, over the weekend, I did, well, I did two Zoom calls. I, I taught a class Saturday, and then I also did a Q&A with a youth group on Sunday. And one of the questions a college student asked was, what about marijuana? And said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't speak about that. And I said, well, yeah, the Bible doesn't speak about identity theft or computer hacking or a lot of things, but there's the principle and uh, we're to live holy lives. Let me just say this. Um, Ananias was devout. He was God-fearing. He was circumspect. He was set apart. He was sanctified. That's why God could use him. And I want to say as the world gets more and more loose and immoral, and it's just almost like anything can go, uh, no. I think if and, and I'm not a legalist, Bert. I'm not legalistic. But if you've been saved, then, then you ought to live for Jesus. If you have accepted the gift of salvation, I think we ought to accept the responsibility of discipleship. Uh, I don't know. When I see that Ananias was a devout man, circumspect, and not only followed the ways of God, had a good report of all the Jews that lived there. And of course, and he said... Come to me, brother Saul, receive your sight. But I don't know. I, I think we ought to be circumspect and more more committed to Jesus than ever, especially in light of the age in which we live. Uh, Alex, uh, I don't know if you had Angie with you, if you brought her a diamond for the engagement or the marriage, uh, but when I was buying Jan's diamond, as, <laughs> as big as it was on college student you know, time there, we won't oh, go yeah. into that. Yeah. But guess what they showed it? When they laid that diamond down, guess what they laid it on? A black velvet cloth. They didn't, okay. They, okay. Didn't, they didn't lay it on a white one, a blue one, yellow. It was black as it was as black as you could get it. Why? Because that diamond shined best under the light and the background of the darkness of the blackness. You could see the cuts, you could see the color scheme because usually they're clear or they have a little color to them, and you could see that. I just want to show you, the Bible calls, calls us jewels, and, mm-hmm. and we're the jewels, and and when do we shine the brightest? 
when the light is on us and in a black background, I would say, yes, it's tough times, but what a time to shine for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly, I, I think that's Ananias. I believe it's circumspect. Now, that's an interesting word. I couldn't help but think of the word circumference, that which surrounds a circle. Circumspect has the idea of everything that surrounds you. And I could not help but go back to Daniel and think about it. When they made the law, the only thing they could find against Daniel to bring him to the king was that he bowed three times a day and prayed to God, not to the king. That's the only thing they could find out about him that was bad in his personal life and in his life of service to the king. I would say he was circumspect, circumference, yes. everything about him measured up, Alex. Amen. Well, notice this, and I want to tie something together. In verse 8, we see that the voice Paul heard on the Damascus Road was that of Jesus. Now, over and over in chapter 22, he talks about serving the God of our fathers. He's talking to a Jewish audience, and part of what he's establishing here is that Jesus is this promised Messiah. So he goes to Ananias, and he's... Uh, he says, the same hour I looked up to him, and he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see that just one, verse 14, that's Jesus, and should hear the voice of his mouth, and you will be a witness unto all men of what you've seen and heard. Now, why are you waiting, or why do you tarry? Go and be baptized. All right, here's the thing. Um, when Paul says, uh, Lord... Uh, verse 19, they know that I imprisoned you and beat those who believed on you. Okay, Jesus, God of our fathers, Lord, believed on you. And he goes in verse 22, they're listening to him, but when they realize, you're going to see in 22 and 23, this crowd, uh, this Jewish mob has a reaction. They lifted up their voice away from uh, away with this fellow, he should not be alive. They threw dirt in the air and tore their clothes. Here's why. Because he was clearly saying that Jesus is the Messiah, and he was, uh, if you're following the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're going to believe on Jesus. I mean, there's a lot of dots to connect here, Bert, but what I'm saying is this vehement reaction was because they get it. He is saying Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. And we're saying that to this day. Jesus is the Messiah. There's no, there's no moderate reaction. You either accept it or you reject it. And they, this group here, by verse 22 and 23, they're rejecting it. Well, they reject, and they also reject what Jesus did. For Jesus so loved the world not just the Jewish nation. So when you combine Jesus and who he was, Messiah, and he was it, and this Messiah wasn't just, quote, for Jews only, but it was for the world. Alex, I, don't, I think you have a double negative that they, they do respond against Jesus. I agree with you fully. But then when you throw the Gentiles in there, it is even compounded. And, and that is the whole idea here. Away with him. He's not fit to live. 
and they cried out the more, and they had to do something. So the commander goes down there. He's going to deliver him, and he said, well, we're going to find the truth. I'm going to give him a scourging, and then it says, I love it, verse 25. This is where he uses his Roman citizenship, Paul says. Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? All of a sudden, things changed, Alex. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He decided he wasn't going to do it, and what's he going to do? He's going to pass it on. And he said, did you buy this citizenship? I didn't know you had that much money. He said, no, I was born a Roman. And that even compounded his need to find some relief of what he was thinking about doing to Paul, Alex. Well, you know what? Um, We've heard the expression, a deer in the headlights look. I've always thought this would be so priceless. (laughs) They're getting ready to scourge him. And, you know, a scourging is, is a whipping, a beating, and this would have been brutal and bloody. And Paul says to the centurion, hey, 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 by the way, before you raise that whip and beat me, um, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I missed it. When did it become lawful for you to beat a Roman citizen who's not been convicted of a crime? Uh, tell me, when did that happen? And you've got to believe on the face of the centurion was an expression, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Paul is wise, and I got to tell you, brave because he played this card. His Roman citizenship, he he shared that at just the right time, didn't he? He does, and this brings us close to twenty three. But let me say, this Roman commander, he was afraid. He knew he had gone too far. And the next day, verse thirty, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him so that he could go before the chief priest. And we're going to see him sharing the same. Guess what? He does not weaken his message. No, he is still strong about Jesus. Hey, Alex, you want to take phone calls the next section? 888-589-8840. When Exploring the Word comes back, we'll take your phone calls, your Bible questions. Call in. If you're a first-time caller, make this today the day that we hear from you. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep on deceiving. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After spending more than a year mocking, ridiculing, and excoriating anyone who suggested the Wuhan flu just may have leaked from a lab, ABC's Jonathan Carl is finally admitting that he and other journalists have egg on their faces. They refuse to do their job, you know, journalism, solely because they didn't like former President Trump. Carl said, some things may be true, even if Donald Trump said them. 
You would have known that, Johnny Boy, if you had a shred of integrity and commitment to following the facts wherever they lead, instead of being a regressive political activist posing as a reporter. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Colossians 2.10 says this about Jesus. He is the head of all rule and authority. Imagine someone has decorated their home featuring framed quotes from different people. All kinds of quotes. And somewhere in the mix, there's a quote, and underneath is the name Jesus. Well, the message is clear. In the eyes of that person, the word of Jesus, God's Son, is just one opinion among others. So where in your life do you hold the Word of God? Do you hold God's Word above everything else? God's Word, without error, sufficient and authoritative over everything else in the universe means that you can trust your Bible completely. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to go straight to the call board in just a second. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper. Just a couple of things. Um, I look forward to Thursday night. I'm going to be in eastern North Carolina, the town of Aden, A-Y-D-E-N, the Refuge. The Refuge, uh, there's an event. It's going to be an evangelistic event Thursday night, and I would love to see you there. And then Friday night, I'll be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Grace Baptist Church on Peters Creek Parkway, and it's a one-night event called America Are You Ready? And it's also completely different group organizing, but it's an evangelistic event as well. And so if you go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, you can find out the info on where to go to these events. And uh, Bert, are you going to be preaching somewhere uh, this, uh, this upcoming yeah. weekend? Well, this Sunday I'll be at Smithville Baptist Church, and I want to give a shout-out. I preached Sunday at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi, and I met several that listened to Exploring the Word. Now, that's just up the road, real close to my home, my wife's home, and we knew a lot of people there, met a lot of them, but we also met some new people who listened to Exploring the Word. And one guy said, well, you're not exactly who I pictured when I hear your voice. And I said, yeah, kind of disappointing, isn't it? And he didn't disagree with that, Alex, so I don't know. But anyway, we got a lot of good listeners. But shout out to First Baptist Baldwin. And this Sunday, I'll be at Smithville Baptist Church again, looking forward to that, sharing the gospel with them. And so we just praise the Lord. I I got this to say, and we'll go straight to the phones. It's good to hear Alex McFarland's on the road again. Well, amen. uh, Because this year that you shut down in 2020, uh, I know you did as much as you could. You did Zoom calls. You did everything you could. But yet the traveling man, Alex McFarlane, it's good to hear that, Alex. Well, and let me say this one thing very briefly, and we've got a big rollout, but Truth for a New Generation conferences. You know, we've done apologetics conferences all over America for 20 years, 
And, you know, COVID last year, we didn't do anything. Usually we do two to three conferences and a youth camp. But I'm going to tell you the next Truth for a New Generation, and the theme is going to be World Views, The Battles We Must Win, October 15 through 17 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Going to be at First Baptist Church. And listen, we're going to have Frank Turek. We're going to have Sandy Rios. We're going to have Bishop E.W. Jackson and a few more exciting things. Now, the registration page is not up yet. It will be any day now. But let me just tell you, a fall conference that you'll get equipped. There are going to be sessions for young people, grown-ups. Truth for a New Generation, October 15 through 17, 2021. Our first post-COVID worldview event. It's coming up soon, and we'll keep you posted. Amen. Looking forward to it. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And... Can we, uh, Devin, you do that. Me twist. Okay. Yeah, there you are. Tom from Mississippi. Yeah. Welcome, Tom. Hi. How y'all? Uh, I love y'all's programming. I listen every day. Amen. And uh, I've, I've been around church all my life. I haven't been going regularly lately. I've had some health issues and different things, but I'm trying to find a local church because I need to, I need that uh, discipline. You know what I mean. I need to be around other people that believe like me. Well, you are right. Yeah. I mean, I need that fellowship. I need that. Yeah, I think we all do. I need to know. I need to know. I'm supposed to be somewhere every Sunday. <laughs> well, Tom, I, I'm telling you, it is exciting to see churches getting back into where they're you know gathering together praising the lord together and and doing the things god would have us to do and i know where i was uh at smithville baptist church where i've been and now at first baptist ball and sunday uh listen they're singing meeting together and let me i've been keeping up with a, a a college baseball alex and uh, especially, I won't talk about who for sure, but except the Mississippi State Bulldogs, just checking up on them. And the <laughs> crowds are there. They're back. And uh, I, I, if they can go to a baseball game, we ought to be able to go to church. Amen. Amen. Preach it, brother. Yeah. Yes. Tom, we're going to – hey, let's pray for churches to have that wisdom. Alex, would you yes. – you know, just a simple prayer. Lord, help churches to be brave and courageous. And, uh, yeah, we want to take care of those that are vulnerable. But, Lord, let us let us do your mission. Alex, do you Amen. pray for us? Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for the Holy Spirit of God to move in the churches and move on the hearts of pastors. Father God, this is no time to be fearful and afraid and to play it safe. We need the church. And so move and give boldness and courage and, yes, obedience to churches and pastors and leaders. It is time that the church doors are open and the church pulpits be loud and vocal. So restore and empower the American church and let it begin immediately, please. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Let's go to Texas and talk to Louise. Louise, welcome. Uh, yes. Uh, I just wanted to say I love y'all's program because y'all are so acknowledgeable to the word of god and i just i love to listen mm. to y'all um bless you i want to say uh my oldest son uh literally this is bizarre but for probably almost 30 years 
he has done drugs. He has been in jail, uh, troubles, uh, all kinds of stuff. And I have always been there for him. I've got him out of jail. I've done all kinds of stuff for him. Uh, he was brought up in a home that was not partiers, drunks, and all that. But I can try. I mean, he knows the Bible. He has read through the Bible uh, a number of times. He's read different books about the Holy Spirit. He can name off the books of the Bible. I mean, all that type of thing. But he is living in sin, total sin. He's doing drugs. He's drinking. Uh, every time I call him, he almost like screams and hollers at me because I try to talk to him about the Lord. And um, he, he's, he, I, I told him, I said, you can't be a child of God if you live a lifestyle that you're living. You can't. And I said, you have to live for the Lord because out of the obedience that you love the Lord, and he just goes off on me. So I don't know what to do anymore. I've, I've prayed for him millions of prayers, I know, and I will continue to pray for him because God tells us to pray without ceasing. But I don't I don't know what the answer is, and, I mean, he gets mad and angry, um, and it's to a point I try to tell him he has to live right. He can't do what he's doing. And mm. expect the Lord to listen to him. Louise, and yeah, go ahead, Alex. Is, how old is he? Let me ask you this. How old is your son? My son is 44 years old. Well, l- let me just say this. Uh, he's a man. He's not a boy. And he's accountable to the Lord. And I would encourage you, uh, the Lord hears your prayers. And as much as you love and care about your son, the Lord loves him and cares about him even more. There is only so much a parent can do. And after that, you know, you can just uh, say, uh, I'm living for the Lord, and you role model your unwavering loyalty to Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. At, uh, at, at 40-something years old, I would say at 20, 21 years old, um, a child is now an adult, and they're accountable to God, and you just leave it at that, and you live your life, and leave it for the Holy Spirit. And it may be that God has to break him. Dr. Dobson used to say, sometimes tough love means letting your child hit bottom. And so, Bert, uh, it, it's a hard thing to see, I know, but by that age, they're accountable to God, aren't they? They are. And and Louise, I, I love you. I, I understand. Pastoring as long as I have, I've seen that dozens of times, what you're going through. And people who make a profession, uh, do they really have possession? They, they, God's, it's God's work, and you can only do so much. There's an old movie, uh, and uh, I, it is worth watching. It's, it's a Gary Cooper movie, Friendly Persuasion. You've ever seen it, Alex? I haven't. It's I have Civil not heard War. Of it, actually. It's Civil War, and it's these. Uh, they're they're Quakers, and they believe in nonviolence. But their son is rethinking this, and he's struggling about going to war. But anyway, his mother's convinced him he should not take his uh, gun and go for a battle. But he he she promises he promises her, I'll pray and I'll try to do what God says. The next morning, he comes down with his rifle, ready to go to war, and she said. 
I thought you was going to pray. In other words, you didn't agree with me. You're wrong. And she confronts the father, and he says this, I'm only his father. I'm not his conscience. So, Louise, oh, wow. I, wow. I don't know how. You're only his mother. You're not his conscience. And and your son has got to come to that point. Uh, and I don't know what's on the inside of him. Uh, the evidence is that he's not there. I understand that. But only God knows the truth. And so pray. Get some others to pray. And, and I can I know he may not be caught up into uh, the lifestyle, the homosexual lifestyle, but in his image still has hope for you. There's a testimony of two or three people on that program, especially one about the parents praying for their child and praying and asking others to pray. I think you'd be encouraged by watching In His Image, and it's mm-hmm. right. You can go to inhisimage.movie. Yeah. And you can view that, Louise. Hey, Alex, I'm going to pray real quickly for Louise and others that are in that condition. Father, I thank you for Louise. I thank you for her having enough confidence in Alex and myself and this radio listening group that she would bring this need of her son to us, very personal, very difficult. And, Father, we're praying in the name and the power and the blood of Jesus Christ that you would touch his life right now. I pray that miserableness will come up on him. If there's mm. such a word that he would just find so much conflict in what he's saying and the way he's living, and he would come to Christ. We pray for Louise, for her to have the confidence in you that you are doing what you can in order to bring her son to faith. We pray mm. this and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Amen. thank Amen. you, Louise. Uh, wow. Pray for Louise and her, her son. Let's go to Texas and talk to Charlene. Charlene, welcome. Hello. How are you? Doing well today. Well, I would like to say that I enjoy your program. I've been listening quite a few years, and I find your advice and uh, knowledge to be top-notch. <laughs> thank you, Charlene. Thank you reason I'm calling is my son told me that there is a mention of unicorns in the Bible, and I couldn't find any uh, verses on that. And he said, I, he said, I think it's in there about four or five times. So oh. I was curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Alex, we've got that question. Is it in Job? Or what? Where is it? I, you, you're the guy that remembers all the places. In, in Numbers and in Psalms, oh, okay. it talks about something having... The, the strength of a unicorn. Now, there's a Hebrew word. It's like re'im, R-E apostrophe E-M. And believe it or not, now, it's that word occurs nine times in the Hebrew Bible. Now, in the King James, it's translated unicorn. Uh, some scholars think it might mean like a buffalo or maybe a rhinoceros uh, or an ox. I, I really don't think it means a unicorn like you see you know, you can picture this white stallion with a long pointed, almost like a candle in the middle of its head, like a unicorn like that. But it's a strong animal, a livestock type of animal, um, maybe a rhinoceros because Psalm 92 verse 10 talks about a unicorn's horn. Um, but elsewhere, one last thing about that, Psalm 29 verse 6, it talks about, uh, it, it compares the unicorn to a young calf skipping. So 
uh, what was it exactly? Um, I don't know. Could have been. Uh, and one last thing. I know there are some goats. There, there's a, a animal like a goat that grows kind of a stubby little horn in the middle of its head. But I hate to say it, sad to say, it's not like the unicorn you see in a Disney cartoon. It was some type of livestock animal uh, that that word occurs nine times. And I guess the King James translators um, use the wor- the English word unicorn, but it's not quite like the unicorn you see in cartoons. Okay, Charlene, we hope that helps you. So your son, uh, you know, it's something when the generation after you teaches you something. And I've had that raising three sons. Uh, I've had Nathan, Matthew, and Micah show me things and tell me things. I said, okay, you've taught your dad something. So, Charlene, that that's good. Hey, we can't get to the callers rest of them. We just don't have time to get your call in and get us an uh, answer that's worth. But call us back, and we're going to not spend as much time on Monday as a lot of time, Alex. We're, we talk about what we're going to do and, and what we've done. Uh, but the next two or three days, man, we're going to go through it and go to those scriptures and go to those phone calls and uh, get everything we can. But Virginia, yes. John, and Jose, uh, call us back. We really do want to talk to you. But pray for Louise and her son. Pray for yes. Tom uh, about going to church and all of those folks that's got a little bit of, uh, I-, I would say, fear of going back after being mm-hmm. isolated so long, Alex. Uh, I think perfect love overcomes fear, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And, you know, I've got a few more prayer requests of some families that reached out to me over the weekend, families in crisis that listen to this show. Let's just band together as a big family that intercedes for each other, lifts each other up in prayer. And tune in. We'll uh, be in Acts 23 tomorrow and more of your questions. And what a joy together to go through the Word of God. I encourage you to tell some people about Exploring the Word and the Great American Family Radio Network programming. Of course, most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.